In our Catholic liturgical cycle, the month of June is dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, but our Lord invites us to fully center the life of our family and our homeschool on this powerful devotion all year long. Today's guest homeschooling mom, Annabelle Mosley, will invite us to a whole new level of appreciation for the love of Jesus and share about her new book, Our House of the Sacred Heart. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik. I'm so excited to talk today with Annabelle Mosley about embracing devotion to the Sacred Heart in our families and homeschools. Annabelle Mosley is an award-winning author and poet featured in the 2019 documentary film Masterpieces about the vocational call of the arts. Her books include Sacred Braille, the Rosary as Masterpiece, which received the imprimatur in 2021 and, and was actually transcribed into Braille, and her latest, Our House of the Sacred Heart. You can hear Annabelle on Relevant Radio on the first Monday morning of each month on Morning Air or on her two syndicated podcasts on WCAT Radio, and we have direct links to Annabelle's podcasts in the show notes. Born on the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, how awesome is that? Raised on the North Shore of Long Island and influenced by five generations of her family in an unforgettable red house she calls Our House of the Sacred Heart. Annabelle continues to give witness to lessons of faith as a professor of theology and in her domestic church with her husband and homeschooled children. To join Annabelle's guided 33-day consecration happening soon to the Sacred Heart, visit tourguideofwonder.com today. And that starts on the 9th. We're going to talk about that again toward the end of our conversation. Tourguideofwonder, just the way it sounds, .com. Join Annabelle in the consecration to the Sacred Heart with your homeschool. That would be so much fun. Welcome to the program, Annabelle. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. It's great to be with you. Oh, gosh, this has been a long time coming. Um, Annabelle, we met long ago when I was first publishing, when I was first running events, and you were kind enough to donate some of your beautiful books to a fundraiser for hurricane, uh, not hurricane, it was earthquake relief for, um, gosh, I think it was Haiti in 2010. And uh, just the kindness of that, your generosity, we were strangers, but you responded to the call. And I really appreciate you for that. Oh, that's so sweet. Thanks, Lisa. Oh, you're most welcome. So here you are, homeschooling mom all these years later. <laughs> so tell us a little about your homeschooling journey. Sure, sure. Well, you know, as a mother of young babies, I was just getting more and more disenchanted with the culture that I felt was failing to support um, our life, my husband and I, our life of family and faith. And around that time, I happened to read the book, The Benedict Option by Rod Dreher. And it was all over the place back then, you know, it was a bestseller. And that book advocated for the need for serious Catholics to kind of, in some sense, withdraw from the world, just to kind of create their own communities. And I guess he put it as like a domestic monastery. And this sounded so appealing to me. My husband and I wanted to design just greater daily immersion, you know, for faith, for learning, and for beauty for our children. We have, so now, I mean, fast forward years later, we have a dedicated classroom. We actually made that decision with um, 
it's just, it's fun. There's pictures of the saints. There's an aquarium for fish. There's a whiteboard. There's arts and crafts. Um, and we, we actually sacrifice one of the bedrooms to make this work. Um, so the children share a bedroom in order to make this possible. And what I found is it's, it's fun because it provides extra room for the classroom, which I wouldn't have dreamed I would have been able to do spatially. And it also has really made them grow even closer. They were always close, but after two months of the growing pains of just, you know, how's this going to work? It's all new. And they were, they were more challenging two months. Great peace, great connection. It might not be for everyone, but it's really worth trying. And especially in the pandemic, where there's even among homeschool kids, that little extra anxiety of, you're kidding me, we have to wear a mask and I don't see their faces and some, some of our activities are canceled. It does give them, I think, a little extra peace sleeping in the same room at night. So I love that. Um, I love homeschooling. It has its challenges like anything else. And it takes time to settle into a balance, but I find it very rewarding. Wow, that's oh, awesome. Oh, and I want to say one other yeah, thing. The women do. I've met, men too, but really, you know, the moms, I've learned so much from their wisdom. That's amazing because, you know, when you're a new mom in this culture, sometimes it can feel isolating, like, where are the other moms, you know? And now to have other moms with those kind of same values of learning together, being a family together, valuing faith, I learn from them every day. Yeah, and I love that you've mentioned beauty and other moms because. My daughter was in the public school through the fourth grade. Uh, it took me a long time to convince my husband. And I was an older mom. I didn't have ever get pregnant. It took me a long time until I was almost 40. So we were just coming to the whole child rearing thing late and had, you know, had our bumps and bruises from the culture. And when we started to homeschool, encountered so much more beauty than we dreamed possible in the life of the family. Just we, we just started to meet people who had an awareness and a sophistication in terms of just taking the simplest things of, as opportunities to grow closer to God and to appreciate beauty and truth and goodness and all of that. So I'm so happy that you linked the two. I learned so much from other moms. It really gave me a whole new, uh, a whole new hope and a whole new expectation for what was possible and completely doable. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So, so out of, uh, I know in your bio, you mentioned your little red house that you grew up Aww. in. Now it's the house of the sacred heart. So how did this book with this title come to be for you? So my book dedicated to Mary, Sacred Braille, came out about a year and a half ago. And it's called, it's called Sacred Braille, the Rosary is Masterpiece, right? It honors Mary by, by a, this devotion to her, this devotion that makes us closer to her heart. So I felt that I wanted to do the same for Jesus. What would be a devotion that would get us closer to his sacred heart? Um, I'm a Catholic artist, you know, yes, a poet, but I also have a, a background many years studying art, art history and the arts. So I was excited, just like I had done with Sacred Braille, to include full color art. I'm just pointing to the book over here, full color art in this book in the hardcover version. The soft cover is black and white, but still very beautiful. And I like the idea of, I kind of call it, it's like an art textbook without, it's like in disguise, you know, mm. so you don't see it coming, but it shows the beauty of our faith, but it's juxtaposed with stories of ordinary holiness, of daily holiness and, and daily life. So it's that wonderful, I think it, I hope it teaches our children and our, it reminds ourselves to make our own lives a masterpiece. 
And I think as Catholics, you know, we speak of that devotion to the twin hearts, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Sacred Heart of Jesus. I love them both. So I was excited to sort of, how would I show the devotion to the Sacred Heart, but in a fresh, maybe new way that would breathe some life into a very classic devotion while still maintaining those classic and beautiful prayers while keeping the most classic, uh, I guess, art, you know, too. Yeah. And, you know, I should also mention too, if I may, that that the idea for the book came to more fullness during the pandemic when it had just started. And um, I had to talk to my kids at the breakfast table who were starting to say, what is going on with the world? And I noticed the fear in their faces. And my grandmother just passed away not long ago. She was 102 when she died. She died about a year before the pandemic started. And I had, I brought a picture of her to the breakfast table, Lisa, and she was a member of that greatest generation, you know, that we call. And I said to the kids, I said, now I want you to look at at her face. We called her Nanabelle. Nanabelle. I I said, look at her name was Annabelle like me, but we made it Nanabelle. (laughs) So I said, look at Nanabelle's face, kids. Does she look unhappy or sad or anxious? No, mom, look at, she's got, she's always had the best smile, mom. I go, okay. Do you know she lived through the Spanish flu pandemic? She lived through the Great Depression. She lived through two world wars. Do you see uh, the cares of, of time on her face? Or do you see the beauty of time on her face, the joy of what she's been through? And they were like, you know, she was always joyful, mom. I said, yeah. And she faced really hard times, not to mention the death of many loved ones. She raised six kids. She had a lot in her life that made her, you know, pray hard on her knees at night. So I said, if I said, if she could be the greatest generation, maybe your generation will be the next greatest generation, maybe coming through this pandemic. And so that's why I had the idea to link 33 true stories of five generations of my family who had this devotion to the Sacred Heart. As a way to also, because each each chapter ends with questions the reader can ask about their own family and link how faith and family connects to getting through hard times. Wow. That's just beautiful. I love how thoughtful it is. I love the layers. And it's very, very touching to me that you took that opportunity to inspire your children in a time of great difficulty and anxiety to see what it is without preaching at them, what it is by asking cool questions and linking to people they love, like how God can pull something beautiful and powerful out of any difficult situation and 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 that we can stand in his strength and really be a great generation. That's super cool. Yeah. All right. So, so step us into some ways as homeschoolers that we can use your book in our families. Sure, sure. Well, first, just as I mentioned, I think it's just awesome that there's classic religious art. It's like on every page. You know, it's basically every page. So our faith is so rich. I mean, it was always fun in art history class to see the faces of those who had no faith and to feel like the proud Catholic in the room when just slide after slide would be Catholic art. And they say, well, these are the great famous works of art history. Well, that's our church. And what a wonderful treasure to claim. So like I said, you've got that classic art, but it's juxtaposed with stories of everyday Catholic holiness. And it shows how we're called to make our lives a masterpiece. That's number one. Number two, the book is filled with featured quotes from scripture. 
every lesson in the book begins with a quote from scripture. And there's some of the really beautiful, I mean, all of scripture is beautiful, but I think they're really nice ones to memorize. Like they're ones that I've had good luck with my children having them memorized. And so it gives us a chance to talk about with our kids, how wisdom of the scriptures can be lived in our ordinary, but extraordinary lives, you know? Mm, Um, Another thing is I feel that if it's used by homeschooling parents, the book will validate the journey we've chosen. Homeschooling parents, I think, are mindful, right, of of creating this strong and supportive family environment. The kids are learning far more than just academics. Um, And I actually have a quote here I wanted to share. St. Thomas More wrote, the ordinary acts we practice every day at home are of more importance to the soul than their simplicity might suggest. So I'm hoping, I mean, it did affirm, like, I'm hoping it will affirm for homeschooling parents, like, what you're doing is so beautiful keep doing it because these are the stories you're creating actively with your family that they're going to pass down to each generation. The other thing would be just that it's life lessons. It's Catholic life lessons told within memorable true stories. And I was thinking, um, Lisa, of that song, it's been in my head for three days, that wonderful hymn, Oh God Beyond All Praising. So it's the one, whether our tomorrows be filled with good or ill, will triumph through our sorrows and rise to bless you still. To marvel at your beauty, you know, and make our joyful duty a sacrifice of praise. So it's kind of like, no matter what we face, we can, we can channel that to say, every day I'm still going to find the beauty and praise God. And I feel that that message is really strong within the book. Finally, I share a lot of stories of my grandparents and their grandparents and the kids that they raised. And I hope that provides a concrete metaphor that the sacred heart of Jesus is a home. It's a refuge. And our home can reflect that reality. Sort of, it's this wonderful dynamic there. Beautiful. So many opportunities for lessons on different levels um, to actually make it part of our curriculum. But also, as you said, to develop our sense of home and the sacredness of that and delving deeper into the heart of Christ through our ordinary days. You know, I just thought of this and I didn't expect to mention it, but I'm going to, you know, I, I went through, when I was a kid, I went through the death of my own, my dad, he died when I was 11. And um, I, I think whether our kids, you know, I guess all of our children are going through some element of difficulty, let's just say with, with where the world is now, but whether or not your children have kind of gone through loss of a loved one, anxiety, or trauma, I think this book would show a child kind of how you can become stronger in faith in spite of those things. Um, If your child hasn't gone through them yet, they will someday. And I think that reading this book together as a family would help prepare them in a very, but in a positive way, because at the end of every lesson, there's these activities, um, ponder and pray, I call it. And so it's questions and they're questions really, I think, I hope anybody would get something out of no matter their age. It's a chance for mom and dad to tell stories to their children to say, oh, I had something like this happen to me. You wouldn't believe the way grandma used to, you know, tell us this, whatever, or it can help the children to talk about things that they're already finding important in their faith life. And it's going to make them stronger because they're going to see how, well, it's kind of like the rosary, right? The the sorrowful and the joyful mysteries make us who we are. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you.
so we have these great activities in your book to work with, which is really cool because I feel like we all, if we're taking on something new, we see something, our hearts are caught up by something or ignited by something. We still need the practical how-to. And you've just given us so many aspects of just taking this book and just taking it you know, uh, chapter by chapter through all the 33 chapters, which I love because it's, uh, think of consecrations and everything and your consecration coming up, but just taking our time with it and allowing it to unfold. So we, we have something, a way to put handles on what can be a very difficult concept to the sacred heart of Jesus and what that really means to us. So talk a little bit about how the sacred heart can be the center of our homes and families. Lisa, that's so well said, you know, because for each of the 33 lessons, um, I actually, it is like a, a story, you know, a story that hopefully people can relate to, but it's framed around one of the lines of the litany of the sacred heart of Jesus each day, because there's 33 lines in the litany of the sacred heart. And I'm hoping you really, you really just summed it up that I'm hoping that for each of those lines in the litany, we're going to pray that line in that chapter. It's going to be prayer. It's going to be reflections on that line of the litany. But then when there's a story of a true Mo, you know, a true moment in Catholic ordinary life that, and they're all things that we all face right there. I hope it will really juxtapose it well. And like you say, make it really hit home and move hearts. How the sacred heart can be the center of our homes and families. I like to dig deeper when I hear an overused expression as a lover of words. And you know, the expression wearing one's heart on one sleeve in the image of the sacred heart. What I find so poignant, so moving, is how Jesus is pointing to his revealed, unguarded heart, unprotected, unguarded, and he's leaving himself vulnerable out of his desire to give us his heart, uh, to receive ours in return. He's wearing his heart on his sleeve for us. That makes that image so unbelievably inviting, and if it, if we're used to seeing the image, I hope we'll never get so used to seeing it that it's not always jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring. Wow. He's giving us his heart. He's pointing to it and, and letting us in and wants us to make our home there. Another colloquial expression, just like that, is home is where the heart is. And I ask in this book, okay, but whose heart I say it's where the heart of Jesus, you know, is longing to live in our hearts and in our homes. Um, the sacred heart, if we make the sacred heart literally like the king of our house, talk about not worrying about decisions anymore, you know? And that's why if you go back a hundred years, they say every Catholic family had, uh, it was just a thing every Catholic did, just like going to mass. They would have an image of the sacred heart prominently somewhere in their home as a reminder that he is the one in charge here. And that's a great sense of peace, I think, in a time, in anxious times that we live in. Give it to our king. He's in charge. In fact, one of the practical takeaways of the book towards the end of the book is I show, um, I, I actually li list the whole, because there's a format of how to enthrone your heart, your, I'm sorry, your house, how to enthrone your house to the sacred heart, step by step. You can either have a priest come to the house, which is what we did, or in the time of pandemic, if that's hard, the father of the house can do it too. If there's no father of the house available, then the owner of the house can do it. And you enthrone your house where you put that image in a prominent place. You say these wonderful prayers and your house is never the same again. You'll see the graces. 
That's really interesting. I never heard the owner of the house. Does that mean if someone was renting an apartment, they would have to bring yeah. the owner in? No, no, they could do it. Yeah, they could, they could do, do it. Themselves. So, yeah. Whoever's the it, head of that household. Sure. It should always be the priest or the priest of the family who's the father. But if they're, you know, you say, well, what if there's no father in the house? That, that's good. Then you do it, you know? Yeah. yeah. So many of our families are, are yeah. struggling under a, a single parent home. Absolutely. Yeah. I grew up really that way. That. My father passed away and I was, it was just my mom and I. And uh, so, you know, so I know it firsthand. Yeah, and I love that you said the father is the priest of the house. There's so much misunderstood about that. The spiritual headship of the father, it doesn't mean that he is dominating or that everyone else is, is a slave to him. It means that he's a spiritual leader, and he has the spiritual authority to bless the entire family, but the mother has the spiritual authority to bless her children as well. She sure does. And so this is important for us to understand. This is real spiritual authority that we are given by virtue of our baptism, by virtue of our place in the family. And so uh, I love that you made that distinction. Thank you, Annabelle. You're absolutely welcome. Yeah, that's really cool. So I do not want to end this conversation without hearing all about the consecration that you're leading to the Sacred Heart. This is so cool. Oh, I'd love to tell you about that. Well, I'll actually invite you officially, Lisa, and everyone who's watching and listening, I'd love to invite you to join our growing community. It will embark upon a 33-day consecration to the Sacred Heart. It's in partnership with Enroute Books and Media, and it's beginning May 9th. And it's going to be 33 days. So if you sign up, if you go to tourguideofwonder.com, you can sign up where it says consecration. You enter your email, and for 33 days, starting May 9th, culminating with the feast on uh, June 11th, you'll get an email for each day of that. And there'll be some, you know, for let's say for the senior citizens who just want it in the email, that's, it'll be there printed, but there'll also be a podcast from me guiding you through uh, just reflections and prayers for the day to prepare our hearts for consecration. Well, what an incredible commitment to bringing others close to the heart of Christ, Annabelle. It's very touching that you've poured yourself into setting this up for us, inviting us and uh, and bringing us into that that vulnerable heart, that heart on the sleeve that can be our home. How just so, I mean, I'm a little choked up thinking about it. Thank you, Lisa. You know, it's it's um it is vulnerable. And we want to make ourselves vulnerable for him and give our it, it, to to respond to that visual invitation. There he is pointing to his heart and to just say, I'm so in. I am so in and how can I bring in others too, you know, and, and part of this consecration, you'll get beautiful art. I promise that I'm going to talk about the art too, as part of this. Ooh. And I'm also going to promise that it won't be, it won't be too bad of a time commitment. Cause I know everybody's so busy, but it will be time well spent. So call it, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a day. And I think we can do that. You know, to Wonderful thing them. to do as a family. I mean, I know that you communicate so well and so clearly, um, and I'm sure that you, the pieces will come together in a way that's accessible to people at a lot of different ages. Absolutely. It's going to be, as a homeschooling mom, I cannot help but design it with a family in mind. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's a, it's a wonderful thought, and I do hope that, we'll, that, that those who join us will bring their families in and let their kids be part of it, too, and their, and their spouses. It's going to be great. Mm. Just uh, take us out, Annabelle, with any final thoughts that you have about either the way the Sacred Heart devotion has helped you in your life or something simple to take away for those who have never really understood this devotion before. 
Sure. All right. Well, when I first found the sacred heart of Jesus image to be touching, I was six years old. That's why, you know, we needn't think it's not accessible for our kids. And we needn't worry that it's something that we can't. Oh, I don't know about the vo- that devotion for me. I was six. I had just gotten my first uh, children's Bible, you know, the illustrated kind. And I was one of those kids that, all right, time to turn your light out. And my light was still on. So, and, and what I was fascinated by was when you open the cover of the book, there was a picture of him with a sacred heart. And I would look at that image. And the reason I have on the cover of the book, this red house, it's a metaphor. It's a concrete metaphor for that heart, that the heart of Jesus is our home. It's our refuge. It's the one house we can rely on. We've almost all had the experience of moving at some point in our life. We're not usually still in our childhood home uh, forever. So our life is filled, filled with, right? It's a pilgrimage. It's a journey. As St. Therese said, the world's our ship, not our home. So we're on pilgrimage. We have a home in him. No matter, I want to say too, whatever you've been through, if you've, if you've had it difficult, whatever bruises along the way, no matter how hard your journey's been, God has left signs in your life, like kind of like breadcrumbs leading you home to heaven. And the, the Sacred Heart devotion can really help you get closer to that home. Why did I choose that red house? I chose that red house because when I was a kid and I lost my dad and I was in my most vulnerable time, my grandmother's house where there was this devotion to the Sacred Heart, yes, but it was a red house where I felt loved, where I could heal. Well, on a much bigger scale, let that be a metaphor for what Jesus's heart can do for you. Thank you so much, everybody. I'm sure you agree that this has been a most blessed conversation, such a a beautiful way for us to start the month of May. And don't forget to join Annabelle in her tourguideofwonder.com consecration program tourguideofwonder.com, just the way it sounds. And the links to everything that you'll need is in the show notes, including her two podcasts, her latest books. And Annabelle, I can't thank you enough. What a lovely conversation. What a gift. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. God bless you. It's been my joy. That's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com, where you can get online courses for your grade school, middle school, and high school student. Learn from the experts and make your homeschooling easier. Be sure to leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. And we'll see you next time here on the Homeschooling Saints podcast.